Getting your day started connecting faith to life. Back to Austin Hill in the morning. It's 6.08. This is uh, Faith Radio Network. Bill Arnold today sitting in for Austin Hill. And we are got a very interesting morning planned. In studio we have Bill English with us. And he's he's got this list called <clears throat> the 67 Undeniable Truths of Business Ownership. And I was reading through them last night. And usually the only time I use the word genius is when I'm talking about myself. But I'm using that word again today, and I'm going to use it for Bill English. He's got a uh, web address, BibleAndBusiness.com. He's a licensed psychologist. He's seminary trained. He's an adjunct uh, professor here at Northwestern, and apparently um, he's got a lot of stuff going on, Bill. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Well, thank you. Yeah. So uh, tell me about this list. I got to tell you, this is an impressive list. And how do our listeners get a hold of this? Well, actually, they can go out here uh, to the Bible and Business uh, it's website. on your blog? Yeah, it's on my blog. Awesome. So that's BibleAndBusiness.com. Yeah, Bible so, and Business. Okay, let's talk about how you got this list put together. Well, when I was uh, handed a, a business to run by the Lord, um, I uh, because I tend to be an analytical person, I kept wondering why God gave me this business. And as I started to figure that out, I realized that there were some things that were happening that were just never going to change, and I started to just kind of jot down some notes about, well, I wonder if this is an undeniable truth, you know. I'm a, I'm a teacher, I'm a systematizer, I'm an aggregator, and I'm a communicator. You're so, using words I don't know, so. Yeah, no, anyway, actually, you do. You're losing me, No, you're not. I'm not losing Aggregator? You at all. I have aggregator. no idea what that means. Really? No. Oh, come on. I mean, does that mean pull stuff together? Yeah. <laughs> no, All right. No, 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 Bill. I shouldn't have interrupted. That. I shouldn't have interrupted. Aaron, so anyways, get a dictionary. Get a dictionary. Over, right. over 10 years, I came up with a list of 67 undeniable truths of business ownership, and I pulled them together and, uh, and uh, decided to publish them in a blog post. And, okay. and so these are things that if you own a business or if you're looking to own a business, you need to read through these things simply because they're going to help you understand what you're really up against when you're running a business. All right, let's talk about a few of them, because nearly every one of them jumps off the page for me. Okay. So it's not like I have to look through and try to find one I kind of like more than others. They're all working for me. Good. Yeah. Uh, how, about, how about let's start with uh, someone must be clear, clearly in charge. <laughs> yeah, somebody has to be clearly Absolutely. in charge. I mean, ridiculously in charge, don't they? they got to be the leader. They have to lead, and they mm-hmm. have to be the final decision maker, and the buck has to stop with them. This goes to the to the concept that if you have a partner, one of the partners needs to be in charge. Okay. Even if you're 50-50 owners, in the end, somebody has to be in charge. And so I usually advocate for not having partnerships where there's an equal distribution of stock between the partners. I advocate for one or the other to have more stock or less so that somebody, in the end, legally can be clearly in charge. Mm-hmm. Okay, I love this one. You cannot part-time your way into success. No, you really can't. You just can't gee whiz in and... Uh, <laughs> you can't window shop, can you? No, you really can't. It's take a lot of work and grit, isn't it? It, it does. It really... And, and every business does. And, uh, you know, people who are really successful in business or successful in life and doing a whole bunch of things, uh, they make it look easy. You know, I'm, I'm sure in, when, when you do your comedy acts, there's a lot of work behind the scenes, putting your jokes together, putting your comedy together and that kind of thing to make it all work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you make it look easy on stage, it isn't easy off stage. No. And that's the way it is with uh, with owning a business, too. All right. Now, uh, we're talking to Bill English. And Bill, the this is one of the hot buttons where it says, you know, your company is your people. Now, that's always a great theory. And I hear that all the time that 
you know, we really love our people and we, you know, but is it really true? Do people really care about other people and do they really care about the people that they, that work for them? You know, I can honestly say that I have met a number of business owners who genuinely, deeply care about the people who work for them. And I was one of them. Uh, when, when people come to work at your company and you see them invest in your company, that does something inside of you that uh, almost no other experience can do. Um, I very rarely do I bump into business owners who don't deeply care about the people who work for them. Mm-hmm. And it can often be very lonely at the top, can it? Yeah. Oh. I mean, aren't people going to kind of misrepresent how well they're doing and lie to you and really not give you their true picture just because they want to kind of stay on your good side? Isn't that a problem? That's not only a problem. Unfortunately, it's in my experience, it's, it's equally characteristic of both Christians and non-Christians. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, 50-50. It's divided right down the middle, huh? Whether yeah. you're a Christian or not. Boy, is that sad. <laughs> that is horribly sad. It really is horribly sad. And people will often take something that you have said or something that you have done as a business owner, and they will twist it. They will uh, put their own um, uh, overlay on it or their own mm-hmm. construct on it. And then you'll get misrepresented that way as well to other people on the staff or outside the company even. Okay. What about the the small business owner that says, look, at, I'm a devoted follower of Jesus and I want to bring my faith into the business. Um, okay, you're going to be, you're going to have some, you're going to have some real opposition, A, from the enemy and B, from the culture, right? Mainly from the enemy and and increasingly from the culture. But what I find is the business owners on on that particular point are all over the board. Some of them are going to take, you know, John 316 and imprint it on the cement on the sidewalk leading to their front door. And others of them are never going to say anything to anybody about the fact that they're Christians. And I'm not sure that there's one right or wrong way to do that. I just know that that is, uh, continues to be, let me relay real quick uh, uh, an experience. I had had lunch with a business owner about, I don't know, a month and a half ago or so, and he's, and he's a Christian, and he was telling me, well, I'm not a very good Christian business owner, and, and he has a very successful business, mm-hmm. and I'm going, well, why is that? Well, because I, I don't lead my staff in prayer, and I don't read the Bible at you know, and I'm not telling my staff about Jesus. And I tried to disabuse him of the notion that those are the things that make a person a great biz- Christian business owner. Uh, that we have four principles at uh, at uh, Bible and Business. That if you're living out those principles through your business, I think you're being a successful business owner. We're talking to Bill English, and he's got a, a website, BibleAndBusiness.com. And I have to say, this is some good stuff. This is good stuff. Good stuff, man. I tell you, it's good stuff. Good stuff. All right. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, uh, lots more with uh, Bill English. You're listening to Austin Hill in the morning, except uh, Austin's not here. It's Bill Arnold sitting in for him today. Be back in a minute. It's 617, almost 618. Welcome back to the show. This is uh, the Faith Radio Network. Bill Arnold today sitting in for Austin Hill. We're having a really interesting conversation with Bill English. He's got a uh, website called BibleAndBusiness.com. He's a licensed psychologist. He's a seminary-trained guy. He's a professor. This guy is very interesting. And I'm sitting next to him right now, pelting him with questions, and he's answering all of them. It's very impressive. All right, Bill, let's get back to business here. Um, ignoring problems 
leaves a lot of success on the table. Yeah. I, I have no idea what that means. So, Yeah, it means that when you have unresolved conflict in an organization, that people are going to spend unnecessary cycles uh, <clears throat> trying to manage themselves around the conflict rather than just resolving it. And those cycles could have been spent towards the organization achieving other sales, growth, whatever it is. So you leave a lot of success on the table. You know, one of my jobs, my main, my main role at the Platinum Group is to be the conflict resolution guy for family-owned businesses and other kinds of organizations that have a persistent conflicts. And uh, we, we, we talk about it releasing the organization for success by resolving their toughest conflicts. All right. This is one I find very interesting, and it's this one says, you have the problems you tolerate. Yep. Oh, boy. Yep. You have the problems you tolerate because if you didn't tolerate them, you would resolve them. The problem would either be ended, resolved, or somehow uh, jettisoned from your life. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that you have persistent problems in your life is because you tolerate them. Okay. that's uh, I like that a lot. Yeah, I like that a lot. <laughs> well, you know, you, you can use that sometime. I'm uh, just, or, I'll give that to you. Or not. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Um, this is another one I really like. It doesn't matter what you want. What matters is what the customer wants. Bingo, because the customer is only going to pay for what they want, not exactly. what you want them to pay for. Isn't that the truth? It. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit more about that because, you know, there's this obsession nowadays in business with customer satisfaction. Yeah. Like you go in and you buy a cup of coffee. I mean, yesterday was National Coffee Day. And, you know, you hand them the $2, they hand you a cup, and then they print out a receipt practically the size of the Magna Carta. Uh, and then, then they want you to fill out the survey. How did we do? Well, right. you did fine. You just handed me a cup of coffee. I handed you two bucks. What is the, with this obsession with customer service and, and uh, response to customer service? Well, because uh, we live in the Burger King era, right? Have it your way. Okay. And so uh, customers are pretty demanding, and they want things to be done their way. Everybody wants everything individualized. And so you have to spend a lot of time trying to figure out what the customer really wants. Mm-hmm. And one of the best ways to do that is at the point of sale. You know, if I sold you this, how was your experience and what else might you want? Okay. Uh, look, uh, I can't tell you how many small businesses do product development by doing this. This is their process. Hey, this is a good idea. I bet our customers would uh, buy this. Let's develop it and go sell it to them. Mm-hmm. And what's the missing link there? Well, does the customer want it? Did they ever talk to the customer yeah. about it? See, I'm actually paying attention this morning. That's so not like me. You know, I'm really proud of you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, let's talk about hiring character and then train skill. I, I want a little bit of um, explanation on that. I know um, I was listening to uh, the guy who used to run Ritz Carlton, and he said, we don't hire anybody. We select people. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to put well, it. He goes, we'll interview 10 people for a dishwasher job, and then we'll select the one that we want. Right. And and the reason for that, uh, the reason you hire character and you train skill is because you can't train character. Mm-hmm. It's either there or it's not there. And so um, people who are highly skilled and lack character, mm-hmm. they're the people who are talked about in a book called Snakes in Suits. And uh, you might want to take a look at that uh, book sometime. These are people who are very talented and incredibly destructive to the organization. And I have fired more than a few of those people uh, over my 12 or 14 years of owning a business. Mm-hmm. So, you know, top performers, I didn't care. Um, it's just, it's just, I'm not going to have people on my staff who uh, destroy the culture of my company. You know, Bill English, I can picture you firing someone in a nice way. Actually, I was yeah. pretty brutal. Were I you? was, I was not good. I'll confess, that was okay. sin. That was sin on my part. Okay. Um, I was, I was actually pretty brutal. Okay. And uh, that wasn't good. 
All right. Now, here's the one you wrote about me. Overcompensated employees tend to whine about not making enough money. Oh, man, that's a hot button with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, my desire was only to make enough money that my salary was public information. Your salary is public information? Oh, yeah, that's how much money I make. Everybody knows. (laughs) It's it's, it's in the paper, right? But, you know, talk about the the overcompensated employee that's whining about not making enough. You know, in the early days of owning the business, I, I worked under the mistaken belief that if you raised a person's salary, they would work harder. Mm-mm. And what I found is that that was just exactly the opposite. When you raised a person's salary, they complained more. And uh, and so I had to figure out how to, and it took me like four or five years to figure this out. Uh, but after that, I just, I tried to pay market rates or a little bit, a little bit, just a little bit above market rates. Uh, and then I had uh, employees who actually were happier, not, not sadder. Mm-hmm. So, All right. Let's talk a little bit about the values you have at home are the values you take to work. Yeah, because you're the same person. Well, hopefully you're the same person. No, you are. Okay. You are. And, and and even if your value is, I compartmentalize my life so that I have different personalities in different venues, that's still a value that you take everywhere with you, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, what you value at home is who you really are, and that will eventually be laid bare for everybody in your business because your heart doesn't change when you go from the front door of your house to the front door of your business. Okay. It just doesn't. No, I, I agree. I agree. All right. Um, talk about people not uh, leaving a business, but they, they really leave manager. They leave someone that they yeah. can't stand to work with anymore. Is that is that fair? And not only fair, it's, uh, it's common knowledge now in, in most business circles that uh, when employees get upset and they decide to look around, they're almost always not leaving the company they're leaving the manager that they can't get along with or that they don't like or that they're just sick and tired of. Mm-hmm. And so almost always people leave managers. They don't leave companies. That's so interesting. I mean, I mean, talk about that a little bit more because aren't we supposed to you know, love the unlovable and look for ways to get along with people that we have a hard time getting along with? And isn't that the whole, object, the, the whole point of Christianity on some level is loving the hard person to love? It is, and and I I'm, that's that's a little bit of an odd just because I I wouldn't have put those two together necessarily, but I understand how you did. Um, in, in my mind, uh, you have freedom to go from job to job, and if you uh, just can't get along with your manager, if they're just they're overbearing, or if they're lying to you, or whatever it is, uh, you know, you have the freedom to leave and go somewhere else. And people naturally want to go to greener pastures. Okay, we're getting the music. That means we're going to be cut off here pretty quick. Quickly, blame is the parking brake for improvement. What does that mean? Yeah, when we blame, we're not focused on resolving the problem. All we're doing is focused on making the other person look worse than what I look. So you don't want to blame. You just want to resolve problems and get going. Okay. you you got to stay longer. we got still so much more to cover. I don't know. Can we do that? Can he stay? I guess he can't stay. Nuts. I can come back tomorrow or Friday. Well, yeah, maybe we can work that out. This is right. such interesting talk. Uh, We've been talking to Bill English, BibleAndBusiness.com. His whole list of 67 undeniable truths of business ownership is there. You can go check it out. Uh, So, thanks. You bet, Bill. Yeah. Uh, It is 626. You're listening to Faith Radio Network. Bill Arnold filling in for Austin Hill. We'll be back in just a minute. 